This is Father Joseph Anthony Cress. And this is Father Gregory Pine. Welcome to God's Planning. Thank you for listening to this episode and thank you to all of our supporters. If you enjoy this episode, uh, please consider making a monthly donation or tithe on our Patreon page. The link to that can be found in the description or show notes of this episode. Please be sure to like and subscribe to God's Planning on whatever platform you are listening to or watching this podcast on. And uh, please share this episode with those that you think would also enjoy it. So, Father Gregory, we're back at it, we back are. in the saddle, True. off and running. Um, one of the things that we've done over the last years, and I want to kind of talk about because it's actually coming up quickly on mm. our schedule, mm-hmm. is the fact that last year we both were in St. Louis, Missouri, True. right at the turn of the year, uh, first week of January. And we were there for the SEEK conference that was put on by uh, Focus. And you gave a fantastic breakout session on confessions. And then we uh, were able to record a live episode there. So yeah, talk to me a little bit about that SEEK experience. (laughs) What did you find? Um, It was great. Yeah, I was pumped that your students in particular were pumped. (laughs) So the live recording was, uh, was a pretty precious moment because your students were all they were all there and they were all jazzed. So um, kind of like a combination of attentive listener and a bullion booster, uh, which I oh, think is a cool combination. Yeah, they, they were they were hyping it up. That, <laughs> that, that University of Virginia, UVA crowd, they they were <laughs> they were running deep. There's a there's a lot to be said for hyping in this world. You're a good hype man. Yeah. Um, as I was processing through the sacristy on my way out to the sanctuary the other day for mass, I saw that one of the deacons was vested to preach. Mm. And as I passed, I was the last in the procession. And as a result of which I could be less mature because fewer people were there right. to witness it. Uh-huh. And I was uh-huh. just like Let's go. And uh, it was great. We had a, we had a sweet moment there in the sacristy and he preached the lights out. It was wonderful. And so Seek has a little bit of that let's go vibe to it. And by a little bit, I mean a lot of it. The conference will happen again this year, the first week of January. Uh, what is it? January 1st through the 5th. 5th bingo. In St. Louis, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert to all of our listeners. We're going to be there. There it is. Yeah, we're going to run it back. Uh, we'll be there uh, with a few. Um, I think a few of our other hosts may may be there as well. Uh, do another live episode and hopefully get the hype train. Oh, yeah. Uh, get that hype train moving. Exactly. And uh, we'll be there. So we're we're both we've had. Um, I think this will be now my goodness, I don't know, seventh, eighth, some ninth seek at this point. Um, I love that event. I, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, I've seen my students have deep conversions and they come back from seek. And yeah, we talked about it being a hype event and there's this little kind of, I have, um, a lot of hesitation in my life of these big kind of mountaintop experiences where we're just going to, you know, have you, have you drink from a fire hose and then send you back and be like, you're so hyped up for this and then whatever. But, um, that seek event, I is a real deep encounter with the Lord Jesus. And then we're lucky enough to have a campus ministry at, at UVA where we can continue that work that was initiated at seek Mm -hmm. and we can continue to follow up. And I've seen so many students maybe have this kind of, touch like at an arm's length connection to the faith or something they'll they'll make the jump and go to seek but then they come back really on fire uh have a deep encounter with the lord jesus and continue to grow in their faith and lead others and become bible study leaders and and to help lead others to uh closer to jesus so we're expecting uh you know 
always we we expect the Lord to work. Mm. Now, how he does that, we don't have many expectations of how he's going to work, but we do have that expectation that when uh, people uh, seek the Lord, seek first his kingdom and uh, put themselves in an approximate place to encounter his love and mercy, that he will do something big and he'll do something major. And I've seen that in my students and I've seen the follow-up as well. And that's part of my joy is I get to be there for the follow-up mm. on it all. Not mine. Yeah. I leave. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. This is why like, I love that so much is because you parachute in, you just drop on, boom, boom, baby, boom, boom. And then I get to like, yeah, like let's run with that. Yeah, then. exactly. Whereas I retreat back to my cell, the mm -hmm. rock under which I live, so as to read books and write them, please God. But yeah, you gave it, you, you had the place packed for your breakout session and you were just on stage just owning it <laughs> and you were speaking so quickly. It was so, <laughs> your words per minute, man, they were yeah. skyrocketing. If it's not 170, it's just not happening. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I've made mention of the fact in the past that one of my goals in life is to defeat two times speed. And I've gotten several emails from listeners who say, you made a valiant effort, but I can still listen to you at two times Ooh. speed. So maybe that shouldn't be my goal in life insofar as that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the glory of God or the salvation of souls. And yet it is amusing. And yeah. here we are. <laughs> but I know you're in the zone when you're just, your RPMs are just so high. And I remember like sitting in the back of this huge, like, like convention hall and you were just like up front and just like, I was like, oh, he's in it. Yep. He is going yep. right now, which is great. I love it. So that. we'll have more opportunities this year at Seek because I'm doing a concurrent session, an impact session like last year. We uh -huh. have the live recording. We've got like the Ascension podcast panel. So it's like a lot of things. It's kind of a, a cornucopia insofar as you're inclined to Thanksgiving displays. Um, uh, it's yeah. like a menagerie insofar mm. as you might find yourself in a marketplace in Northern Africa. It's like a, I'll stop. Yeah. Okay. A charcuterie <laughs> board. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you find yourself so at a farm to table type place. Yeah. 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 Uh -huh. So, uh, yeah, I think when, when, uh, so check us out, uh, look for father Gregory and all of his, uh, cornucopia events, uh, mm. in St. Louis. Uh, <laughs> I'll just be milling around, getting my steps in. Cause I just want <laughs> I just wander around all over the place there, but check us out at Seek. We're excited to be there. Uh, check out God's planning in St. Louis. Um, speaking of the greatness of God yes, and how he works and we expect him to do big things because he promises that he'll do those things. Yep. Now, the specific specifics of how that looks, we we don't really have many expectations for, but we do expect him to move in big ways mm. when hearts uh, are, are humbled and open before him. Um, and that's kind of what we actually want to talk about this episode is the greatness of God and how we then can strive for greatness. And yeah. We should be unafraid to really strive for excellence and greatness in our life. Um, so talk to me a little bit about why, why do we want to strive for big things, good things, what many people would just refer to as greatness. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a cool question. It's an interesting question. And I think it resonates with a lot of people in a very kind of foundational way. This idea that, okay, it has been told to me, it has often been preached or proclaimed to me yeah. that I am called to greatness. What does that signify for my life? Because if you hear that in one way, you might think, okay, I have to carve out for myself a uniquely excellent space. Mm -hmm. I need to set myself apart from my contemporaries by virtue of the content that I create or the amount of money that I earn mm -hmm. or the way in which I contribute to society in marked or noticeable fashion. And there's a risk there 
that we think in terms of, you know, like the effects or the mm -hmm. consequences of our action. We're trying to maximize and optimize two words yeah. that I often trot out so as to kind of pull us back from. Um, because we've been told a kind of lie from the start, namely that you can do anything that you set your mind to, or if you want to be an astronaut, be an yeah. astronaut. And that's, that's just not true. <laughs> and it, it actually has a way of disappointing us and disillusioning us uh -huh. if we think that these kind of promises of material greatness are what the Lord wants for us. Because our secular contemporaries, you know, we expect them to say all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And we might find it difficult to sort through their lies to try to discern the truths, but we expect it to be confusing. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the Lord, we expect it to be not confusing. We expect it to be clear. We expect it to be clarifying even. Mm -hmm. And so when, when we you know, set this call to greatness forth when we set it before those to whom we address this word. Um, we, we need to be, yeah, we need to be responsible in that proclamation and suss out what it entails rather than yeah. just saying like greatness, you could be a, you could be an astronaut, but like people are going to have to reckon with that in light of their own experience. Yeah. I think there's, when the secular world talks about greatness, it has a very clear parameters and which is hilarious because when, you know, the church talks about you know, the call to greatness for each Christian, um, it's not as clear. They're, the parameters aren't really as clear. And like you said, it can be that confusing because the secular kind of criteria is very, is is, is out there. Mm -hmm. What's the secular criteria? It's fame, it's wealth, it's money, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's status. And so it, you'll do whatever it takes to get those things because that's what it means to be great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and so when this is why there's a lot of, I think, emphasis uh, right now, contemporarily wise on that, like hustle culture, like, OK, it's out there and mm -hmm. it's out there for the taking. Anybody can get it. That's the American dream, right? If anybody can get it. And, but you got to go out there and hustle. And so that you can get the status, the fame. The, the money, the house, the cars, and all those things, because your greatness is now exhibited through the things that are external to you. Mm -hmm. And this is where that criteria is. And the only way to get that is to, you know, hustle your way to it. And so I think, you know, helping us to understand, well, when the church talks about greatness, she's not necessarily talking about these external factors yeah, yeah. where the focus now needs to be, I have to get this to confirm to me that I am, I, I've done what I needed to do and that I have influence or whatever that is. I think the church's understanding and it has been perennially um, is that greatness is actually about grace and virtue. It's about union with Christ. Yeah, yeah. That's that's where the greatness is. Yeah. And and when we call each other to this and recognize that we are not not called to mediocrity. We're not called to just, you know go with the flow or whatever it is, but we are called to kind of set ourselves apart into the greatness. And that setting ourselves apart is the act of what we would in, in our, uh, in our life and our spirituality and our faith, we would call consecration. The setting ourselves apart for greatness is to set ourselves apart for union with Christ. Then. Yeah. And that's exhibited through our words, our actions and all these other things. Yeah. No, there's a bunch of great principles in what you just said. So I think, Again, we turn to our secular contemporaries. They want to be great. You mentioned these various ways in which they try to set themselves apart as excellent by comparison to whoever might be in that space that they occupy, whether it be wealth 
or pleasure, fame, glory, honor. You can think of yeah, all these different yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, false gods, as it were, or, you know, secondary goods in a certain mm-hmm. sense, uh, things that will set up as competing gods to the one true God uh, in service of our own ego or the upbuilding of our own self-image. Now, okay, when we take it then into the Christian space or when we seek to claim of it what's good, to purify or to cleanse of it what's bad, then we need to hold certain you know, like foundational truths before our mind's eye, which is one, that God loves us all. Yes. Yeah. All right? <laughs> um, and that we are here now trying to respond, like recognize and respond to that love mm-hmm. with some facility, with some graciousness. Um, and God loves us all by the self-same act of love. And so that competitive spirit, which says, I can only have the love of God insofar as I have more of it than you, mm-hmm. right? Or if you have some of the love of God, then it represents a kind of wound to my yeah. reception there. Yeah. You know, like that That has to be, mm-hmm. yeah, set before the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, covered in his precious blood. You have to ask that to be, to be removed from your heart. Because... On the one hand, like there's a lot of envy that informs our secular, our secular contemporaries and their striving. Um, And I think of, yeah, the need for us to be kind of healed and grown beyond envy such that we can no longer say mine and thine, but genuinely ours. Like we can rejoice in the successes. We can rejoice uh, in the excellences of those with whom we live or those with whom we share this Christian community because they are genuinely ours insofar Mm -hmm. as we are members of the self-same body and constitute the one worshiping Christ. That, that that point about the envy and comparison in a secular greatness is huge. Like in, in it, it is, it infects the entirety of the spiritual life because you may sit in the chapel and you look at the other person and you're like, oh, look at their prayer life, you know? And there's such a, it does take a lot of work and it does take a lot of, you know, grace, but the Lord leading us out of that place of competitiveness or comparison in the spiritual life to recognize that he has great gifts intended for me. Um, and I think that's the other aspect of when we look at this call to greatness is like you started is like he has a deep and radical love for each and every one of us. And that's not a competitive love. And if I can, if I'm convinced that he truly loves me deeply, then then I can strive for the greatness while watching my, my, my friend, my peer, my brother um, and my sister also strive for that. Um, but my their holiness doesn't take away from my holiness yep. and my holiness doesn't take away from theirs. And I think unfortunately in our secular world that is looking only at the finite and says like, there's only so much money out there. So if mm-hmm. you have X money, that means I have less money and I want more. So I need to take it from you, mm-hmm. which is a different thing when we recognize that the love of God is first of all, infinite. We can't exhaust it. And if one person has is is deeper in union with the Lord, it's not taken away from my ability to be in union with him. And the other aspect is that this is a gift. This is not mine for the taking. Mm-hmm. Like the Lord invites us to a deeper, but he provides that gift. It's, it's our ability to receive well. And the more that we can kind of detach ourselves from these other kind of com- competitive or comparison nature and all these other things gives us a greater capacity to receive not a capacity to take. That's, I mean, that's what the original sin was all about. It was the taking of the fruit and not the receiving of God's love mm. as it is. So if we can put ourselves into a disposition of, I want to receive all that the Lord has intended for me, including his infinite love and mercy and draw me into a deeper union with him, then two, my brothers and sisters can also do that as well. And I want to assist in that. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I think um, <clears throat> it's only within the setting of, of God's love, you know, for me as a mm-hmm. member of this community or God's love for me as an individual in light of God's love of our common good, which is just himself mm-hmm. unto whom he draws us. Then can we appreciate our own individual gifts as it were? Yeah. So like God, God can be said to love us differently insofar as get, God mm-hmm. gives us mm-hmm. different gifts. Um, and so we talk often and in this setting of the mystical body. So there's differentiation, right? right? right. Insofar as different organs serve different functions, but it's not a crass functionalism. It's ultimately for God's glory because none of this is necessary. Right. None of this responds to a kind of need or indigence in the most high God. All of this is a kind of overflow of divine generosity so that we by corporate testimony can make known the glory of God and in sharing in his agency can work towards the salvation of souls. So it's a matter of our recognizing and receiving the particular gifts that he has conceded to us, not like looking around at the other gifts that he's given to other people. So that way we grow what sad and jealous, envious Mm -hmm. things that we've described, but in genuinely recognizing and receiving the gifts given to me, then I can seize upon them, then I can make them fruitful. And so there's this kind of St. Therese of Lisieux type wisdom at the heart of our call to greatness, namely that it's for us to, to be small, you know, mm-hmm. to play our part in the mystical mm-hmm. body, to not strive after things too great, which might not in fact be for us. Right. But we come to discover that in, in being small and in playing our part, that there's a kind of grandeur that comes from that, right. that I can do small things with great love, that I can do them with reckless abandon, yeah. that I don't have to constantly feel the strain and tension of seeking after graces that I may have failed to seize upon in the past or, or lusting right. after graces right. that I may, you know, uh, envision for myself for the future, but that I can actually risk, you know, recognize mm-hmm. and receive these graces now, which are the only real graces for me because, you know, only the, only yeah. the present bears that grace. And I think that's the beginning of a kind of consent to the plan of greatness, which God concedes to us or which God extends to yeah. us in this life. Yeah. Um, when we look to this, okay, that sounds great. I want to, I want to do that. I want to, I want to set out on that. Um, how how do we really go about that? How do we really go about that? Because there, it seems to me that there's a few things at play. That there's there's definitely uh, an attraction to mediocrity, and just hey, I don't want to make waves. Yeah. Like I just want to get things done and 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 not be not not put myself out there. Right? Um, I can't believe I forget this now, and it's just because my brain's mush. But I forget if it was Benedict or John Paul II, one of them. Uh, <laughs> they're both good, both big fans, right? <laughs> but it's a very famous quote, and that's why it's like it, it, I feel stupid not remembering which one it is. But it was, you're not made for comfort, you were made for greatness. Mm. Do you remember who, which one that is? Tertullian. Just Tertullian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. But uh, that, that's, that's a really famous quote, but it, it always resonates. Like, yeah. you know, you're not made for comfort. And I think that mediocrity and com- comfort are synonymous in many respects. It's like, it's so much easier to not do big things. Yeah. And I just, I just want to go lay down underneath my weighted blanket, man, and just like <laughs> go about my day. But, um, you know, so how do we set out that? Because I see that there actually is a big risk in striving for greatness. Yeah. And there's uh, our complacency, our comfort, our mediocrity, all want to hold us back from that, mm-hmm. from taking that risk um, to do great things in union with Christ. So what does that look like? How do we begin to kind of combat some of those tensions or those uh, forces that want us to just stay back uh, and not make that risk and not take that step into greatness. Yeah. So I'd say maybe we can think a little bit about virtues and then think a little bit about practices. 
So the pertinent virtues, it seems to me, are mm-hmm. magnanimity and humility. Yeah. Now, there are a variety of virtues which are at play, but those two stand out. Mm-hmm. Magnanimity is not something that we talk about often, but it's a basically it's the virtue which informs our pursuit of great things worthy of great honors precisely mm-hmm. because they are great. Yeah. So a lot of times we'll back away from great pursuits because we fear that it's prideful, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that we're, mm-hmm. they're kind of going beyond our reach or kind of extending beyond what falls within our purview as, you know, kind of limited, little, humble, whatever, you know. Okay, so, but but there's this, this virtue which spurs us on, which impels us to pursue great things worthy of great honors precisely because they're great, because it is for precisely this reason that we were endowed with this human nature. Ooh. Like nature is both a principle of, identity and a principle of mission. It sets the terms both for who we are and then what we're made for. Yes. So it's yes. a principle of not only, you know, static who we are attitude, it's also a principle of dynamic who we are to become attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, those are technical terms. So so it should feel in like it should it should be experienced in us as a kind of tendency or as a kind of drive. And insofar as we constantly experience the failure or the foreclosure upon that drive, it mm-hmm. will send us into the pits of despair. It will cause us to be consumed by sadness and anger and frustration. But insofar as we can heal and grow that in the life of prayer, sacrament, penance, and other things besides, then that will grow. Like it yeah. will gather strength and we'll experience it in a yet more empowered and emboldened way as mm-hmm. conducting us to the term for which it is intended. But then that's safeguarded by humility because yeah. humility, it, it breeds in us this recognition that everything I have is from God. What do you have that you have not received? Exactly. If therefore you have received it, why do you boast as if it were your, from yourself? You know, so like it gives us the sense every good and perfect gift comes down to us from the father of lights. And so we can receive it precisely as gift, lest we arrogate it to ourselves, cut it off from its source and come to discover that it's perished in our hands. Yeah. So it keeps us in living contact with the source and end so that we can remain in communion, in conversation with God about his plans for this greatness. Mm -hmm. And I think it's then that we can, you know, say the litany of humility and say that others become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should, because we're abandoning ourselves to the divine will, which has for us a kind of concrete plan, which is a plan for greatness. It might be modest, humble, little in certain senses, Mm -hmm. but it's great insofar as it's his, it's precious insofar as it's ours, he's made it genuinely ours, and that we embrace it as ours for him. And so I think that those two virtues kind of help to situate you know, the conversation and the pursuit. Yeah, it's it's so, so deeply important to, to see that that virtue of magnanimity is a real and powerful dynamism that pushes us you know, I kind of kind of threw it out there earlier. It's like there's a, there's I've I've seen people get caught up in the attraction to mediocrity, mm. and but there's a real attraction towards greatness and magnanimity that propels us out there. Like you said, our human nature gives us both identity and mission, and I think that that's a really really key understanding of like what does the the ridiculous capacities of me just being made in the image and likeness of God propel me to great things. Yeah. Like it should push me to this, say like, I don't want to just, you know, go through the the rhythms of things, but we want to push into this greatness. And then that risk is that you kind of maybe step outside of the crowd in a sense, because you are so, so convinced and connected to that will of God in that deep humility that he's calling me deeper. He's calling me to something new that I would have never chosen for myself. Mm-hmm. This doesn't make sense on paper, but I place my trust in him because of that great humility that you have recognizing that I have a tremendous gift in my day-to-day life. 
uh, to then honor him in doing these things that are, you know, uh, of of grandeur and, and afraid of that. Um, I joke around. There's, there's always that phrase that's uh, thrown around in, in certain circles: of the, the little ways, you know, Therese or Therese's little way and little way of this, the little way of that. And I'm like, what about the big way? <laughs> like, I, I'm a, I want to go for the big way, you know. And and it's it's that kind of tension that is in there. And those two virtues, humility and magnanimity, they are one thousand percent two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. Like you and to have somebody that is striving for greatness with magnanimity, but has zero humility. Yeah, it is about ego. Yeah, it is about pride. And you can't do that unless you're radically humble, but fascinating love. And I know you can read the biographies of the, all the saints, but I know the two of us have met many, many people in our lives who are the most humble individuals we've ever met. And they keep going for great things. Mm-hmm. And it's only out of that radical humility that they have the confidence and the 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 drive, the the courage to do these amazingly creative but like innovative things in the name of the Lord. And you meet them, you're like, "Who are you? You're so humble. Like, how how can you do all this?" And it's they have to go hand in hand. And the most humble people I meet are the 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 most courageous and the boldest who do great things. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have somebody that wants to do those things but lacks humility, then yeah, it is about the ego. Yeah, it is about them and in and, and that way. And that's where that kind of secular mindset comes into play. Yeah, and I think sometimes we can trip ourselves up because we'll notice a certain tendency of pride. Yeah. I mean, you can't help but notice a certain tendency yeah, of yeah, pride. Right. And you'll hear, hear, blah, 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 blah. you'll hear people talk about things like, you know, unmixed motivations or pure intentions. They're mm-hmm. trying to cultivate a kind of emotional, psychological, and spiritual disposition whereby they can foreground the glory of God and background their own ego. And mm-hmm. they're trying to establish that in some recognizable fashion. And when they find you know, certain self-assertions come to the surface, it's unnerving. And so they might think, all right, I probably should back away from this bold pursuit right. because it seems like I'm getting into my own way or I'm setting mm-hmm. myself forward. I would say, you don't worry about that too terribly much, <laughs> right? right? Yeah, because yeah. I think that if I were the evil one and I were trying to tempt you away from this pursuit of greatness, I would convince you that that egotism, that pride uh-huh, uh-huh. might potentially be your undoing. That's true, right? That's certainly the case. But God has sown in you seeds of greatness precisely so that they might germinate, so that they might flower, so that mm-hmm. they might give fruit. And if we, you know, we, we pronounce upon those as bad, insofar as there's a little bit of mixed motivation, there's a little bit of yeah. impure intention, then we might be foreclosing upon the greatness of God, which is at work in us, mm-hmm, provided mm-hmm. only that we can see it through to its term. So there's actually a vice, which is opposed to magnanimity, that's called pusillanimity, Ooh. which means rather than great solidness, we're talking about small oh, solidness. We contract in on ourselves for fear of what might be asked of us if we take the next step. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, like graces are daisy chained. Yeah. Not in the sense that like when I say yes to this grace, then I get that grace as if it were like a goosebumps, choose your own adventure type thing, like flip to page 78. Great reference. Thank you. I appreciate that. Mm. But, but there's a sense <laughs> in which when you, when you show yourself faithful to certain graces, there's a conspicuous preponderance of other graces that come in its wake. Yeah. And you're like, where are these coming from Jesus? And he's like, hard to say, right? <laughs> so, so I think that we need to be con- you know, at least conscious of this kind of tendency of prevenient and consequent grace, as St. Augustine yep. says, but like the daisy chain of grace, because we can't say, nah, I don't know where this train is going. I don't know where it's going to end, you know, like what the destination is, because 
no kidding, you know, like no kidding, because here's the thing, like charity admits of no upper bound. Okay. So God is infinitely generous. We are infinitely Uh capacious and charity is infinite. You will become as holy as God makes you. The only antecedent condition to that is that you consent to and cooperate with his grace. Are you going to get in your own way? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not surprised by that. You are not surprised by that. None of God's children are surprised by that. Okay. But then you say, Lord, Give me the grace that I need to grow, like to heal and to grow beyond this obstacle. Give me the grace that I need to be pure of heart, to be unmixed of intention. I know that it's not going to happen today, but I will a higher state. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I will a higher state. And I trust that you who have promised that it is so will bring it to completion because you're the only one who can, because you're the only one who's competent. So, yes. I think, so the two things that you bring up there is like, I found so many students and I'm going to, I'm going to make a, a claim out there. I, I have no scientific or research to actually back this up. It's just my, my gut that's telling me this. Um, but I've seen so many people that have that failure to launch syndrome mm. because the intended end result is not a guarantee, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think it plagues men actually a little more than, than women. Um, once again, that's where my research falls short. I don't know. That's just me thinking that, but, um, I've seen so many guys that are like, um, oh, I, you know, I'm re- I really like this girl. And it's like, well, they're like, I don't know what to do with it. It's like, <laughs> I'm talking to her roommate and I'm talking to her best friend. I don't know. Like, I kind of want to ask her out, but Is I'm not quite sure she's injured. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, I got a fail safe way. It's a hundred percent fail proof to figure out whether or not she's interested in you or not. And they're like, oh, what is it? ask her out. <laughs> she says, yes, she's interested. If she says, no, she's not, you know, but there's this like failure to launch on into the process unless that, that end result is a guaranteed for me. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm just going to hold back, hold, hold. And you see, there's so many people It's like, I want to discern the will of God for whatever it may be, a vocation, a, a project, a, a job opportunity. I want to know, I want to know before I figure I launch. It's like, no, you actually have to launch into the process. And that brings up another thing is like, if we are truly seeking first the kingdom of God Mm. and we are pursuing a deep union with Jesus, I think we underestimate how much the Lord actually trusts us. Mm -hmm. He trusts us more than we trust ourselves. And we can, if, if, and truly, if we are seeking union with him above all things, then there are times where we have to make that decision. And we can be confident in ourselves and say, I've, I'm striving for a perfect union with Jesus. And in that, my will is to be united to his will. But there are times that I have to make that decision. Yeah. And to be unafraid, right? The, um, the line from Augustine that gets thrown around, unfortunately, in, in all the wrong settings, but it's like, love and do what you will. Mm-hmm. Like, if we are truly loving with Christ's love and we are so united to Christ in his love, then we can do what we will because his will is, is our will. Mm-hmm. And our will is his will. And we should be unafraid of that. Yeah. Um, but like that, that desire to say, like, to start into that process because graces then will beget more graces. And we'll learn the process, you know, we'll, we'll make some failures, but we see the redemption and the healing process of these things to become more united to him throughout that process. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we don't know where the destination ends. You know, um, well, actually there's, there's a line from uh, Zach Bryan who I would love to do a whole episode on all, all of his songs. I'm big Zach Bryan fan over here, <laughs> but uh, one of his opening poems, um, of when he says, um, I know where the I know where it ends, but I don't know where the journey goes. And I think we know where this this pilgrimage ends, 
it ends with Jesus. Now, where it goes, I don't know. But that doesn't mean I don't set out on that journey, even though like I know where it ends, but I don't know what the journey looks like in this process. And that's these graces to continually push and to do these big things that are drawing us because of the gift, the grace that is our human nature. Yeah. Yeah, maybe uh, just a final thought is, um, I'm thinking of the line from St. Teresa of Calcutta, which is often quoted to this effect that God doesn't ask us to be successful. He asks mm -hmm. us to be faithful. And I think that's a great way of kind of summarizing some of our key points in that I think a lot of us, part of this failure to launch uh, mm -hmm. experience that many suffer is because they talk about success or they envision success in terms of yeah. Yeah. external or exteriorly verifiable things. Mm -hmm. And truth be told, that's not what we're concerned about. Right. We're, we're concerned more about the grandeur of the human pursuit. Mm -hmm. Not to say that we get locked in ourselves in a kind of solipsistic collapse, but in the <laughs> sense that the point of our agency isn't to make stuff. It's no. not to be technicians of reality, mm -hmm. to influence results or to bring about changes. The point is ultimately to become the saint whom God willed that you be, because that's most transformative yeah. of you and of those to whom you're sent in service. And so like, if we think about results, we'll often trip ourselves up. But if we think about fidelity, then the grandeur of our lives will kind of open up before us with mm -hmm. ever increasing clarity, with further and further opportunities, with a greater sense of both identity and mission. But that's something that's progressive. And, and here's the thing, the Lord gave you a whole life for precisely that reason. And to your point, like he trusts us more than we trust ourselves. The fact that he endowed us with a human nature right. capable of falling and of being redeemed and of grace, virtue, gifts of the Holy Spirit, fruits of the Spirit, beatitudes, which have a kind of life cycle of maturation signals that this is a journey. God wills it as a journey, as a pilgrimage to arrive, but like wherein you go from strength to strength. Anybody who's done a, like a walking pilgrimage, whether the Camino or the Via Francigena or whatever it is, you know that the first few days are brutal, but that you grow from strength to strength mm -hmm. such that in arriving, you have been equipped through the training to kind of like feel it as it were, to appreciate it, to embrace it and to live it in its fullness, right? Because it's only over time that you come to the height yeah. of your powers. It's only over time yeah. that you come to the full expression of the grandeur to which God has drawn you through the process itself. Yeah, and I think I just wanna end with um, the quote from St. Irenaeus is the glory of God is man fully alive. And this is what that grandeur looks like. This is what that greatness, when we say we're called to greatness, is to be fully alive as, as the men and women that we are. And this gets back to what you immediately said earlier is like to not strive to, to be the men and women that God intends us to do it means to constantly be seeking his, his face and to be united to his heart and all that we are and to not be uh, afraid of, of, of striving for that. Um, if we find that place in our and not striving to be more than what we what we think we should be or to be less than, but to be who we are is truly the glory of God. And this is what we see with every single saint is that they are themselves. They're not trying to be others. They're not trying to be less than themselves, but they are themselves. And it's because they've become in that journey and that didn't happen overnight. That is a lifetime's worth of work. Yeah. And sometimes we we kind of distill it down into these, you know, key moments and things, but there was so much that had went behind that of a daily transformation, a daily surrender to the mercy and the love of the Lord. And this is, this has to be a, a daily effect in, in constantly seeking his face so that we can be exactly who we are as he intends us to be. And that's where his glory is, but also that's where our glory is in union with him. So 
With that, thank you to uh, you for listening all the way through this episode, getting to this point of it. Um, but thank you for listening to this episode. Please follow us on all of the social medias, whatever platform that you find us on, because I don't even know all the platforms that we're on, but we're there. We're in there. So follow us on those. Um, please subscribe on whatever platform you are listening to this episode on or watching this episode on. Please subscribe to us uh, on those channels and then also leave a comment or a five-star review. It really is a great gift to us. We love reading all those reviews and it helps us to share this podcast with many, many others. That being said, please share this episode if you enjoyed it with those that may, um, may need to hear this or would be interested in our discussion this day. If you would like to donate to the page or to the podcast, please check out our Patreon page. Um, that is on our uh, the link for that's in the description in the show notes there. And you can also follow that link to find uh, the, our website, which has merchandise and upcoming events. Um, you can find out that we'll be in St. Louis, Missouri at the beginning of the year or maybe other cities. We're coming to a city near you. So check that out to stay up to date with everything. As always, please know that you are in our prayers and please pray for us. God bless you.